Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. Who's ready to get a little theological today? It's one of those days where I'm just feeling uh, this vibe of intensity in me that I want to deal with the subject theologically. If you're bored with theology, I challenge you to grow up a little in the faith because there can be no advance in the kingdom apart from the solid foundation and the growing um, substructure of good orthodox biblical theology. I know that sounds dry and boring to a certain segment of the body of Christ, but that's because they haven't tasted and seen it. Um, You know, the Bible talks about tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And the only way to know the God of the Bible, who is the only true God, is to know the Bible that God gave us because it is his self-revelation. It is his self-disclosure. Yes, I believe in the prophetic word. Yes, I believe in dreams and visions and the legitimacy of them as given by the Holy Spirit. However, none of the legitimacy can be um, verified apart from the revelation of who God is as he presents himself in the written word. And so if you are in a place where you do not know the word, then you are highly susceptible to falling into error um, because the enemy can give you dreams. The enemy can give what we would call prophetic words. The enemy can counterfeit uh, just about anything that is done in the supernatural realm by Christians. Um, And so that's all the devil does. He likes to counterfeit what what God does. And so the only way that we can fully ascertain whether something is valid or not, something is from God or not, is by um, comparing it against the genuine article, which is the revelation of God and his word. And so um, I'm a word guy and always have been, always will be. Make no apologies for it. Um, I'll balance that by saying I'm not so much a word guy that I disbelieve in anything supernatural. Um, I understand that there are some non-biblical things that are reality in the kingdom uh, versus um, unbiblical things. Unbiblical things are those things that contradict the word of God, and we reject those out of hand. Non-biblical things are issues that are not directly um, addressed in Scripture. And so there are non-biblical issues to which we can use discernment. But um, the issue that I'm dealing with today is, Um, and regularly on Mavericks and Misfits is, what does the Word of God say about any subject? So if we're talking about something here, you're always going to find me circling back to what does the Word of God say? And in debatable issues in the kingdom, it's the first place I look, because there are a lot of good Christians who don't quite agree on everything in the kingdom. And so what I want to do is if I'm entering into any kind of discussion or even a debate with another believer about a, a debatable matter, an issue that we disagree on, I'm always going to ask him or her, hey, what, what does the scripture say about that? And so if we can come to a conclusion that the scriptures are the final authority, that gives us the ability to reach uh, a biblical conclusion on just about, not every subject, but on most subjects. Today, I want to talk about one of those issues, um, and it is the issue concerning the coming delusion at the end of the age. Uh, At the end of the age, Scripture is very clear, both through the teaching of Jesus Christ and through the writings of the Apostle Paul, that there will be a great 
falling away that characterizes uh, the very end of days. And the question that I have is this, um, can truly born again Christians, truly saved, genuinely converted, call them what you will, the justified, the redeemed, the elect of God, those who are chosen before the foundation of the world, whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, those who have bowed their hearts to Jesus Christ, confessed him as, as Lord, have repented of their sin and placed their confidence in Jesus' death on the cross to pay for their sins, and also placed a confidence in his resurrection being satisfactory for their hope beyond the grave. Can those people genuinely fall away? Can they be deceived at the end of the age? Can they apostatize? You know, this question has been um, debated among equally people that equally love Jesus. Um, I have great friends that disagree with what I'm going to share with you as my point of view. Um, great friends. And I never make eschatology views of the end times. Um, I don't make these central issues concerning my fellowship, my friendships, and my brotherhoods. However, there's only one answer to this question. Either believers, genuinely saved people, can fall away and apostatize, or they cannot. And so I'm going to take a couple of podcasts, and I'm going to address this issue um, because I feel like it's important, and I feel like there's an incredible amount of confusion on the issue. And quite frankly, I think it stems from an improper understanding of what it really means to be born again to be saved and where our salvation is ultimately sourced. And so, yeah, we're going to get a little theological today. I'm actually going to start out on uh, a more digestible uh, passage of scripture concerning this issue, uh, one that's pretty practical. And it was actually written not as a theological treatise, but Paul was actually writing the church at Thessalonica in the book of Second Thessalonians chapter number two. He's writing them as a pastor. He's writing them because they are agitated. They're discouraged. They're alarmed. They're afraid because they feel like that they are um, living under the the wrath of God. They feel like because they were suffering that God was not preventing wrath from coming. And they feel like that they had um, entered into the day of the Lord and were wondering, oh my goodness, have, have, have we missed the coming of the Lord? What is going on here? And so Paul tells them at the beginning of Second Thessalonians 2, he, he, he's talking to them and he's saying, no, 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 you guys, you guys are, um, uh, you're alarmed, you're shaken in mind, some spirit has troubled you, some, somebody said something that troubled you, a fake letter that proposedly came from us has affected you, saying that the day of the Lord has come. And then he says in verse number three of chapter two, he says, don't let anybody deceive you in any way. He says, that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, the apostasy comes first. The King James, I believe, calls it the falling away comes first. So the return of Christ, the day of the Lord, cannot happen unless there is a global, worldwide rebellion that comes, and part of that rebellion will be attached to the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness being revealed, this one who is called the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every worldwide so-called God. 
or any object of worship in the world at that time. The Antichrist elevates himself above the God of the Bible, the God of the Jew and the Christian, and against every other worldly little g God, so that he alone takes his seat in the temple of God at the end of the age, and he proclaims himself to be the only God. So Paul starts out, you know, saying, hey, guys, there's a lot of stuff that has to happen before the day of the Lord and the return of Jesus. You haven't missed the return of Jesus. He says before any of that happens, there's going to be a global worldwide falling away, an apostasy that hits the planet. And so he is he is introducing this to them and he goes back and he's going to talk about what this falling away looks like. And so in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, he talks about the Antichrist, and he's going to talk about the deception that the Antichrist works on the earth and also the delusion that God sends in cooperation with the work of the Antichrist. So at the end of the age, the delusion is both satanic in its instrumentation on the planet but it is actually sourced in the judicial activity of God against unbelievers. And this passage of Scripture, perhaps, is the clearest passage of Scripture in the New Testament that tells you exactly who is going to be deceived at the end of the age in the apostasy and who is not going to be deceived. And I will submit to you at the beginning, it is clear that the Bible says that those deceived at the end of the age, whom God sends the delusion, who are deceived by the activity of Satan, are people that have never been saved. And it's actually in opposition in this very same passage where Paul says, but you, you Christians aren't going to be in that group. So when, when I'm thinking on this issue, I'm going to get to these verses in a moment, so bear with me. Again, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. I'm going to read the verses, so if you're driving or you're somewhere you don't have a Bible, then just listen carefully. If you are somewhere, open your Bible. Scroll down on your phone or your tablet or open an actual Bible. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and let, let's go through this. And so I'm going to start in verse number nine. You can read the first eight verses. I just summarized them a minute ago. It's about the the coming of the Antichrist. And then in verse number nine, it says this, the coming of the lawless one. That's, That's the Antichrist. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. And it describes how he will come with all power, false signs and wonders with all wicked deception. Now, just pause there for a minute. So verses 9 and 10 say that the coming of the Antichrist at the end of the age, he's coming by the activity of Satan. He's going to have supernatural evil power that is going to dominate the globe. He will be able to work false signs and wonders. This will gain the attention and will give him credibility among the deceived that he is something other than a normal human leader. And it says he will come with all wicked deception. So the nature of the rule of the Antichrist is going to be flowing in diabolical, evil signs and wonders. He's going to dominate globally with all authority and power. And he's going to operate primarily with Satan's favorite tool, which is wicked deception. Okay, so, but in verse 10, I'm going to read verse 9 and 10 again. I want you to pay attention to the end of verse 10. Again, verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. 
Now, just stop there for a second. The Bible has just declared clearly those who will be deceived. Who are the people that will be deceived by the activity of Satan through the Antichrist, who will operate with all power, false signs and wonders, with all wicked deception? The Bible says it is those who are perishing. Why are they perishing? Because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Now, hold on. I'm going to go further here in a minute. But guys, it it doesn't get much more clear than that. That the deception at the end of the age is for those who are perishing. Remember John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So here in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 10, it talks about those who are perishing. Those who are perishing are those who have not accepted Christ, who do not have eternal life. Why? Because they refused to love the truth. They refused. They denied the gospel. They did not esteem it. They did not receive it. They did not love it. And because they did not love it, the Bible says they could not be saved. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 clearly says that the falling away and the deception by Satan at the end of the age is for those who are perishing because they did not love the truth so that they would be saved. Now, verse 11 is intense. For these very same people, it says, therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, guys, again, what is the Bible saying here? That those who refuse to love the truth so that they would be saved, they refused salvation, they are not saved, they are those who are perishing, they are those who believed in the wicked deception of Satan, with his false signs, powers, and wonders through the Antichrist at the end of the age. And because they said no to God, to Jesus Christ, to the gospel, verse 11 describes a judicial hardening of their hearts. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion because they did not believe, because they rejected the gospel, because they refused to be saved, God sends them a strong delusion. What is the effect of the strong delusion? So that they may believe what is false, that they believed the deception, the lie, the messaging of the Antichrist at the end of the age. The delusion is part of the falling away. They said no to God, said yes to the lies of the Antichrist. Because they said no to God, God does something that nobody ever wants God to do to them. What is it? God gave them what they wanted in their rebellion against God. It is as if God said, oh, you're refusing my truth, so therefore I'm going to empower you to believe the lie. I'm going to remove all grace. I'm going to remove all conviction. I'm going to remove all wooing. You cannot believe apart from me working your life. I will not work in your life because you've refused the truth. And you're going to naturally believe the lie of the Antichrist. And the Bible says that it is a strong delusion. Very interesting that they um, are believing this strong delusion. And it is um, 
it is so overwhelming that it seals their damnation. Why? Because they fully believe, they give their confidence to what is false. Why? Verse 12, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Do you see it? So let me give you these verses again. So those who are perishing are the same as those who refuse to love the truth and those who were not saved. Those same people receive a strong delusion sent to them from God. The result is that they believe what is false. They seal their condemnation. And those who seal their condemnation are described here in verse number 12 of 2 Thessalonians 2. They are described as those who did not believe the truth, but loved unrighteousness. Now, guys, I've got a few more verses. This is the theology. This is what the word of the Lord says. This is not some religious idea. It's not some denominational position. This is the plain teaching of scripture that those who refused to believe the gospel are wide open to believe the lie of the enemy at the end of the age. It's right there. There's no getting around it. And because they said no to God, God says in turn, no to them for all of eternity. And they believe the delusion. And the result is, is that they are condemned. Who are the ones that believe the delusion under condemnation? Those who did not believe the truth, but they had pleasure in unrighteousness. Those are two violations of what it means to be a Christian. What do I mean? Well, the definition of being a Christian negates the possibility that you are one who does not believe the truth. You become a Christian by believing the truth. And the effect of being a Christian is that you hate sin, not have pleasure in unrighteousness. So clearly, verses 9 through 12 speaks that those who are believing the delusion, who are apostatizing, those who are rejecting God at the end of the age and giving themselves to the delusion, the strong delusion, they are the same people who've never said yes to Jesus. It says they did not believe the truth. It doesn't say that they believed it and then lost it. It doesn't say that they believed it then renounced it. The apostasia is the rebellion and there are different views of that, that rebellion is spoken of earlier in this chapter. And it, it's in verse number three, when it says that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And some people believe that that's just a rebellion of Christians who have cast off their faith. Sadly, that's not what the scripture says. Um, could it involve that? Uh, possibly it could. But when you read the rest of this chapter, it's clearly not that. And so the rebellion is a worldwide rejection of all things pertaining to God. It is the rebellion. The definite article is there in the Greek. It's not simply a spirit of rebellion that's general. It is a full and final rebellion that is empowered and fueled by the deception of the Antichrist where across the globe, the God of the Bible is rejected to the point that anybody who professes faith in the God of the Bible, specifically Jesus Christ, the Lord, they will be persecuted. Even their own children, their own parents, their own family members, Jesus taught Matthew 24, will come against them, turning them over and they will be martyred. But guys, these aren't Christians who fell off the wagon. 
These aren't believers who have just decided, now nah, I don't want to do this, and they just didn't endure. Clearly, it's so important that we get this. These are unbelievers. How do I know that? Well, because, let me just, for effect's sake, let me give you this. The coming of the lawlessness, excuse me, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders, with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Then verse 13, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and hope through grace, May he comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work or word. Why did I bother reading all those verses? Because verses 9 through 12 tell you the ones that are going to be deceived at the end of the age. Verse 13, it swings on a hinge. In contrast to those who are going to be deceived at the end of the age, those who did not receive the truth, those who took pleasure in unrighteousness, those who believed the strong delusion, those who experienced eternal condemnation, those people are contrasted with who? Christians. Verse 13, we ought always to give thanks to God for you. He says literally, but not you guys, not you brothers, not you beloved of the Lord, not you, the ones who God chose as the first fruits to be saved, not you who are set apart through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth, not you who are called through our gospel so that you have obtained the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see how clear it is that the ones who are perishing are, I've already gone over that, you know, ad nauseum. I've gone over it and over it to make my point clear layer by layer. And then immediately in verse 13, he says, but not you guys, not you Christians. And then he describes Christians called, chosen, believing, set apart by the spirit, grounded in the truth called through the gospel and destined to obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, it's very important that we understand this. Um, I, I, I respectfully but firmly disagree with the notion that Christians at the end of the age can apostatize. I'm going to unpack that um, in a different podcast. And as a matter of fact, I have a position paper that I've written on that. If you are interested in getting a PDF copy of that position paper, you email me at jeff at maverickmisfit.com. Email me at jeff at maverickmisfit.com. 
Just say, send me the paper on why a truly born-again Christian cannot apostatize, and I will happily send it to you. And it's going to show you that the reason why we cannot apostatize is because of the very things Paul says right here in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. Why? Because we were chosen before the foundation of the world as the first fruits to be saved. We are set apart by the Spirit unto belief in the truth. We are called through the gospel unto the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 15, we are said, we're commanded, brothers, stand firm. Stand firm to what you were taught by us and remember the God who is our father, verse 16, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. So important that we understand this. Um, Why is it important? Because the Christian life, the whole of the Christian life, is meant for us to glorify God in all things. And brothers and sisters, when it comes to the essence of our salvation, it is by grace. It is by grace through faith. And so the only thing that we bring into the equation of our salvation, it's been said before, is the sin that made that salvation necessary. And then we have faith to believe. And guys, one of the things that I think that we've got to um, we've got to recognize is that when we declare that we can apostatize, it invalidates so much teaching on what it means to be saved. If God called you before the foundation of the earth, why did he call you? Because he's omniscient. If he saw that you were going to apostatize at the end of the age, why did he choose you before the foundation of the earth? If God chose you, did he not know that presumably you would end up rejecting him? Well, then how was your name written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world? And so when it comes to this issue of our salvation, the idea that we can apostatize is not biblical. Will there be a general falling away within the visible churchdom? Yes, but not by genuine believers. Like right now, wherever you go to local church, there are people there, and you can't tell the difference. It's the wheat and the tares. There are people that look like Christians, sing like Christians, serve like Christians, act like Christians, preach like Christians, and they're not Christians. They're not Christians. Matter of fact, the Matthew chapter 7, let me close with this thought. At the end of the age, there's going to be a group of people, Matthew chapter 7, you can read it for yourself. I, I call it the most disturbing passage in all of the New Testament because it, it, it's a picture of the final judgment when people are standing before Jesus and he looks at them and he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And they had protested. They said, wait a minute. We preached and we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did many wonderful works in your name, Jesus. And Jesus said, I never knew you. So very clearly by that one statement, a picture of what is going to happen at the end of the age, the church has many people within it that we assume are Christians. And then at the end of the age, they're going to be exposed that they were never Christians. And so what may appear 
like Christians falling away at the end of the age won't be. And I'm going to go into the next podcast and give you some clear evidence about why a true born again believer cannot apostatize. And yes, eventually we will go over Hebrews chapter six, because that's the go-to passage by a lot of people that say, aha, right here, we clearly see verses four through six of Hebrews six, that a, that a true Christian can apostatize. Not so fast, friends. You have to take into account the entire context of what scripture says. You always interpret an unclear passage in the light of what is fully clear in other passages of scripture. And I'm going to take some time to do that. Again, if you'd like the paper that I've written on why a true believer cannot apostatize, email me at jeff at maverickmisfit.com. And in the meantime, study out for yourself 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. The verses that I've read, I would just say read all the way down to verse number 15, um, but especially uh, the verses that I've shared with you today. And ask yourself, who is it that falls away at the end of the age? Because the Bible is very clear. It is not the brethren who are beloved by the Lord, chosen as the first fruits of salvation, set apart by the Spirit unto believing the truth. It is those who refused to believe the truth because they loved their unrighteousness. Food for thought today. Thanks for tuning in to Mavericks and Misfits, and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.